en hartelike goeiemorgen, welkom by ons program Skriftierik, waar ons wekelijk saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, jy woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na jy woord, en Psalm 119, 105 sê, jy woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraag laat om die waarheid te vind en licht te schijn op die vraag uit die skrifte waarmee ek en jy moendlik kan worstel nie. Krij dus gauw jou bybel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skriftierlik. Deel ons passie vir die lewe op 657 Radio Kansel en 729 Kaapse Kansel. Dis waar jy geskakel is, goeiemorgen, en ons het jou gemis verlede week. Yes, we indeed missed you last week, and uh, it's not the MEC of Mpumalanga now, but it's Rocky and Weinand back at uh, God's Footstool here in Kilmerpark in Pretoria. What a uh, privilege to say a warm-hearted good morning. Abosheni, Molweni, Dumelang, Sanbonani, and uh, trust that all is well with yourself. With me in studio, uh, faithfully, as always, he's here, Rocky Stevenson, Pastor Rocky Stevenson, Benoni Bible Church. Good morning, my brother. How are you doing? How's the coffee that you're drinking there? Yeah, this coffee is good, man. You give it to me in a cup that says courageous. A so courageous. It's a yes. courageous cup of coffee. <laughs> I don't know if you have to be courageous to drink this cup of coffee. You'd brewed it so strong. You must be very courageous to drink well, it. Well, you've got to be courageous for what we're tackling here this morning. Uh, know a pastor who says you've got to be courageous and you better know your business when you dare to say thus, thus saith the Lord God and uh, so that's what uh, we're doing here uh, try and find answers from God's word if you're struggling with certain things in life then this is the program to stay tuned to because we endeavor to find the answers in God's word get a friend in Port Elizabeth that uh, used to say let's leave no stone unturned to find the answers to our problems God is not going confused uh, about uh, his answers and uh, his instructions in his word. And so we deem it the highest authority known to mankind, the Bible, God's word. And uh, one day we will see. But now at the moment, yes, sometimes we disagree about certain things. And therefore, if you've got an answer uh, pertaining to God's word, if you've got a question with regards to God's word, this is the program where you can send it in. I'm going to give you a WhatsApp number in a minute. It's the very well-known WhatsApp number that we use for everything and anything here on this radio station. Maar as jy vanochtend luister na hierdie program en jy te vraag uit die woord van die Heer uit. Then, uh, Katie, thank you so much. We'll uh, tackle it in this program and we'll see if we can find answers in God's Word. I want to say this, a sideline remark. We have prayed for you and we have prayed and asked the Lord that it not be flesh, that answer, but that God's Spirit will work through us in that die Heere vir ons Diep afhankelijk van die leiding van die Heilige Geest, en ek wil vir jou vraag, terwyl jy luister na hierdie program, dat jy saam met ons sal bid, dat jy specifiek vir Rocky Stevenson sal bid. I, I know, 
and we know by now his heart is after the Lord. He believed God's word is the highest authority given to mankind and that God would supernaturally give him the answers, remind him of scriptures as we speak. And I ask you to pray and intercede as you listen to this program for us that what ons hier doen, ere verheerlikang in die naam van Yeshua, Messiah sal bring, and Jesus Christus, die Messias, in uh, that it will answer your question. Easy number. This is where you send your questions to. 082. Easy so far. 082. Then 657, the frequency on which you're listening right now. 657, then the number 2. We say it's from one to the other, and then seven to nine. Radio Cape Pulpit, our sister station down in the Cape. So if ever you go down to Cape Town, you someone know the frequency down there as well, seven to nine a.m., and it makes for a very unique number. Oh eight two six five seven two seven two nine. Only until twelve o'clock, about five minutes to twelve, we have to be out of studio for Sibongile to get ready with the news. So let's get going. Katie, thank you so much, Katie. He asked a question. She says, in the Our Father prayer, it says, lead us not into temptation. Can you please explain? And thank you and many blessings. I'm also acutely aware of a scripture. Uh, uh, You can help me right here, Rocky. uh, I think it's in the book of James that God says, He's tempting no one. Uh, it, it starts in our own minds. So it, it, it is not the Lord to tempt us. So I can understand the possible confusion. Lead us not into temptation. How do we answer, Katie? What do we say to uh, her with regards to this question? Rocky, over to you. Oh, wonderful. It's good for us to go to the actual passage. Luke chapter 11, verse 4, is where it says, And forgive us our sins, and for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And then you find the other portion where the Lord's Prayer is given in Matthew. So this is then the parallel passage. And Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, includes a little section which I think is very helpful as an addition to this. It says, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Yeah. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now we know from, as you mentioned, from the book of James, that's James chapter 1, verse 13 to 14, that says, Let no one say when he is tempted, ah. I am being tempted by God. Yes. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. So there is a difference between the do not lead us into temptation and the one who actually does the tempting. And then James tells us in verse 14 where temptation comes from or where we are tempted. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. So this is where the root of temptation comes from. It comes from within. Each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. So what is it that we're actually asking God for? In many respects, we're asking him to protect us from ourselves, from our own lust, from our own desires. It comes from inside, the passion in a man or a woman's heart, which are at war with God. We have three enemies as the Christian. We have the enemy of Satan. That's an easy enemy to recognize throughout the scriptures. We have the enemy of the world. And the most deceitful enemy of all is the enemy within. 
right. and that enemy of self. And so you have here this prayer asking, lead me not into this. But also even Satan himself, he appeals to something within the individual. He knows how to tempt mankind. He's called the tempter. And so you're asking for this protection from these enemies of this temptation. You get tempted by the world. You get tempted by Satan. But the greatest enemy that you get tempted by, according to James, is yourself. So this is part of the appeal within the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation. And this recognizes the sovereignty of God to protect us even from ourselves, from Satan, from the world. We depend upon the Lord. You know, you can have the greatest intentions, but... A fool, according to Proverbs, trusts in his own strength. A fool says, oh, it's in my own strong arms or in my own ability to do this. And we're often humbled by the fact that the worst enemy we have, we can have the greatest intentions, but the worst enemy we have is the enemy within, that old Adamic nature. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking of the book of Jeremiah. I think it is Jeremiah 17, and I'm trying to, oh, 17 and verse 9, uh, that says the heart, uh, the heart is is deceitful and wicked above above all else, else, isn't it? Indeed. And I mean, you think of that even going back to just before the flood in Genesis chapter 6, rather, and God looks down, he sees that every thought and the intention of man's heart was evil continually. What a, what a devastating verse but this is a realization that we actually need the lord's help with us and why can he help us because his is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and so he's the one that deserves all of our affections and our attention and our delight but instead we're turning towards these wicked things to delight us and to give us ourselves glory and to turn inward so what matthew 6 verse 13 adds is significant it says but deliver us from the evil one yeah, and yeah. so as you think about this as well, when our Lord began his earthly ministry and he'd just been baptized, the voice from heaven said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He's led out into the wilderness by who? By the Holy Spirit. All right. The Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. What happens with Jesus there? Well, he's tempted. The Holy Spirit leads him. But it's not God who's tempting him. Who's tempting him? The Satan is yeah. tempting him. But he's led by the Spirit of God. So God takes God the Son by God the Spirit into the wilderness, and Satan comes and he assaults him severely. And Jesus shows us by his own example his dependency upon the Word of God. How does he answer Satan at each step? It is written. It is written. Beautiful. It is written. It is written, and there's an endurance that our Lord Jesus has until the end. And then what does God the Father do? Sends ministering angels to go to Jesus and strengthen him. And then listen to what Jesus says later to his disciples. You remember where Jesus comes to the Garden of Gethsemane, arguably the the, the time that Satan would come again as an opportune time to try and tempt our Lord. And he's at the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas is about to betray him. And in verse Well, Luke chapter 22, verse 40 says, And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples also followed him. Now when he arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray that you might not enter into temptation. And then verse 46, and he comes to them, and they've already fallen asleep. And he wakes them up, and he says to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise up and pray that you might not enter into temptation temptation what was about to happen jesus was about to be betrayed and what would all of his disciples do they they'd run yeah, they'd yeah. they'd leave yeah peter would deny him 
three times. Terrible. They were to they were going to fall into temptation. They were going to allow their fear of saving their own skin turn them away from their master, their Lord. And Jesus knew this was to happen, but what was he saying was the cure for this? What could keep them from actually doing this? Prayer. But what did they do? They fell asleep. In the similar account in Matthew chapter twenty six forty one, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. And then he says, the spirit is willing, mm. but the flesh, flesh is, is weak. weak. And that's the point that I think we see through this this um, prayer, our Lord's prayer. Our flesh is tremendously weak. Mm. We must depend upon the Lord. This is humbling for us as we come to him and we say, Lord, please, please help me. So now when it comes to temptation, prayer is the greatest defense. What's the greatest offense? Well, we saw that from our Lord in Luke 4, the word of God. And 1 Corinthians 13.10 says this, No temptation has overtaken you that is, as, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Prayer is the wonderful way in which we endure. It's how we endure through temptation. And we are delivered by, by God our Father through this prayer. So facing any form of temptation that the Christian might face, the Christian recognizes the supreme power of their great God, and they cling to their great God, and they trust in him by faith that the Lord will be their deliverance, that he will lead them. Absolutely amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, the book in 1 John. I think uh, you can help me there where the, fl- the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and, uh, and, and ambition and these things. So, uh, Rocky, in a nutshell, when we are tempted, it is basically a prayer, Lord, protect me from myself. And when we are tempted, God's word says, start praying immediately. Yes, uh, oh, and if, if Satan tempts you, and it normally comes through the eyes for what we see around us. Yeah, look, I mean, I gave ear gate um, through all of these different channels that yeah. that God would tempt us in I think that we do physiologically there does seem to be a difference um, even between men and women where some of the greater temptations will come I think wow. men very visually um, uh, women may be very um, audibly yeah. and 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 reading wise and so you have these different ways in which but Satan has been good at this even from the Garden of Eden you remember what happened um, that's three ways really the lust of the flesh yeah. the lust of the eyes, eyes and the pride of life yeah. and those are yeah. the three ways that he challenges Eve in the Garden of Eden and that's also the same way that he challenges the Lord Jesus and it's true to this very day for us as well tactics so, has never changed so any form of temptation will come in one of those three ways which can be summarized well by uh, what we see in our world we are tremendously narcissistic yeah. hedonistic and materialistic and right. one of those three ways he comes at us with temptation but God always provides for us within his word strength for us. That, that, is, our, that <clears throat> is our sword of the spirit, sharper than yeah. any two-edged sword. Yeah. But he also, the greatest offense of the Christian is really on his knees in prayer. Yeah, yeah. Or in the old days, defense. in the old days, Rocky, you, uh, uh, you know, when we had to still, uh, you know, do military training, they were changing mommy's fat little cookie eater into a mean, lean fighting machine by chasing you until you couldn't run anymore. So you have to be fit, number one. Number two, you have to know your weapon. You have to know your, you should be able to assemble and disassemble that thing in the 
they used darkness to call your weapon your wife, right? Of the, uh, yeah, well, yeah, yes, so true. The time. That R1. And, 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 and number three, you had to know the enemy. And that's still true for this very day. You have to be fit in God's Word. You have to know the Bible. And, uh, and you have to know the enemy and how he operates from the Garden of Eden to where we are today. Nothing much has changed, isn't yeah. it? No, definitely. And if you think about sin, any sin has its root in pride. Yeah. And, and one of these elements of this prayer is so humbling because it recognizes that apart from his grace yeah. and his mercy, yeah. we are goners. You know, yeah, we, so we are true. finished apart from his help. All right. And, and we cannot depend on our own strength. Katie, thank you for a brilliant question. Let's go to another question. I think that ties in beautifully with with, uh, what Katie has asked here. She says, my question is based on Matthew 6 and verse 7 and verse 8. What would you say is an example of vain repetitions in today's language? Many thanks. Elizabeth, bless your heart. Thank you so much for taking part in the program. Vain repetitions in today's language. What's wonderful, actually, is to, to take that broader section, and I'll do that for, for you as we answer this question. If you look at Matthew 6, and we've been dealing with the Lord's Prayer and a, and a piece of the Lord's Prayer, so it does segue wonderfully into this. And if you look from Matthew 6, verse 5 onward, it says this, And when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. So he starts off by telling us how not to pray before he tells us how to pray. Now, we know that the hypocrites will, you know, Honor God with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. We know that there will be this kind of whitewashed tomb element to it. This is how the Pharisees were. But he says this, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. And so this is part of an answer to what does this vain repetition look like? It looks like anything that is actually doing what you're doing just to be seen for what you're doing, but not really having a heart for what you're doing. And wow. so you can even say wonderful words yeah. because you've been taught how to say these words. Christianese. But you're actually doing it to be seen. Yeah. You're not doing it really to be heard. And wow. so that's a key to this It's a motive of the heart, isn't it? Indeed. Yeah. And so you can picture an individual. Maybe they are saying even some wonderful religiosity type of a things. Like you said, Christianese. They're standing there. They just want everybody to see what they're doing. But they're actually not really giving their heart to the things which they say. They become like the hypocrites. You Mm. honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. So it's said without really much sincerity at all. It's actually been said just to get attention. You're not giving, therefore, the glory to God, but you're taking the glory for yourself. And you're saying, everybody around here, look at me. Look at how wonderful I can speak. Look at how wonderful I can I can pray yeah. and give me this glory. And then Jesus says, truly, I say to you, they have their rewarding full. But you, and listen to the way he tells us as his worshipers to pray to him. When you pray, go into your inner room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so there's two different kinds of seeing here. There's the seeing of the people, but then there's the seeing of God. God is the one who sees what we do in secret. If your Christianity or your praying or your vain repetition as such is done just so that people may see it, you've already received your reward. All right. You're saying what you're saying for other people, not actually for the Lord. And then he says this, and when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. And so he gives more definition to what this vain repetition looks like. It looks like 
a speaking lots of words, thinking that God is going to be impressed by how many things we say. How God's going to be turned towards us because of all of these things that we say. And it seems to be even a mumbling and a, a babbling as such, like what we have back to the Tower of Babel, where there's a whole lot of babbling, yes. that you have no sense in what you're saying. You have no meaning with what you're saying. You don't have a heart that actually knows what you're saying. And you're just you're you're throwing these phrases out it becomes mindless and god is never about mindless worship or yeah. mindless prayer yeah. he wants you to be mindful in your yeah. prayers he wants you to actually and, and prayer is such a natural response from the creature to the creator and yeah. we've been made in the image of god and one of the ways that we are is that we are communicable beings we yeah. speak to one another can I step out onto thin ice here, my brother, and please help me when I fall? Uh, we are taught when we grow up. My dad has prayed in a certain way around the table before we're taking a meal. And I've learned that prayer, and now I'm praying it today because my granddad prayed like that. My dad prayed like that, and now I'm. that's the thin ice on which I'm here. Uh, when it's just a tradition of men... And, uh, you know, it sounds nice, and I've learned something, and, and I'm, you know, we're doing it around the, the, the table. Uh, that's, uh, is there anything wrong? Is that a vain repetition? I, I think it can be. I think that we do need to be a people that give thought to what we say, when we say it, how we say it. Yeah. We ought to have, we ought to give God that kind of a respect. Right. You, know, you think of, of maybe even just with another individual. How, how does your wife feel about the way that you communicate to her? Yes. Now, now, I know I've had to learn this lesson even again recently. You know, my wife's busy talking to me. I'm not thinking about what she's busy saying because I'm responding to a WhatsApp message to my brother-in-law. Right. And she's like, hey, look, you know, when you're with somebody else, don't you give them your attention? Yes. Now, why, why are you not? You're not listening. No, no, I am listening. So I, yes. I can repeat the last three things she said, in a, <laughs> but I have no idea what where those three things are connected to something else. You know, now if if that's how my wife would feel yes. about the the little attention that I give in the communication yes. towards her, how much how more much more the Lord? The Lord? Yeah. How much more when we come to Him before Him in prayer? Are we really thankful for the food that is on our plate when we're actually like, you know, thank you for this food, Amen, because we're just wanting to chow. And we actually have a mind that is so filled with physical things. Yeah. And so we ought to be a people that are mindful. We ought to also realize that even in something like that, and I think this would be for those that have little children or the, the little the little ones are watching all the yeah, time. They and are. They're, they're listening as well to what kind of respect does dad give when he's even giving thanks for the food at the table. And so our Lord continues with this and he says, don't be like the Gentiles who think that they heard because of the things that they say. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. And I want to say that one of the examples of vain repetition can even be done with the Lord's Prayer. Because Jesus says, pray then in this way. He's giving us an example of how to pray. But I don't know if you were, had the same thing going through primary school where every assembly you'd you'd give the Lord's Prayer. Yes. And yes. even the kids would do it all aloud. And yeah. It would almost become this rhyme amongst the kids. And it mm. was this vain repetition, even of the Lord's Prayer, which is not the intention that our Lord Jesus had. He gives us a model for which we are to pray. He doesn't tell us that we must always repeat only this. And he says, Our Father who is in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. And so we we do, I think, see vain repetition when there isn't some when there is not mindful prayer and there isn't heartfelt prayer. All right. That that would be, All I right. guess, a good definition of what we have as, All right. as vain repetition. And, and what you've just done, and we know it off heart, by heart ever since an early age, the Lord's Prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. But um, we'll get to Sunnet from Livingston. She's got another question uh, with regards to prayer as well. Uh, well I'll, I'll, I'll work through that one in a mo. But to stop as you pray. As you die, onze Father, but dink aan elke woord wat jy sê. Dink and it's always, as Rocky said, it's the motive of the heart. Um, Sanet died Livingston out, wat hier op WhatsApp sê, uh, terwyl jy nou daar oor gebed praat, waar in die Bijbel staan dat jy dit moet verklaar, declare, that your prayers will be answered. Rocky, I'm doing a free translation of what she's typed here. She says, are you aware that you should declare your prayer. She says, somebody had said to her, when you declare something, when you pray over something specifically, uh, your prayers will be answered. Is there any truth in that? Baie dankie, Sanet, daar vanuit Livingston. Are you aware of something that it's a declaration, our prayers? Uh, sometimes I think there's a scripture that says you don't receive because you pray wrong. Uh, you do it in a wrong way. Is that back to the motive of the heart, or yeah, the, the, we this, cannot say a declaration is a, is a surety that our prayers will be answered, isn't yeah, it? I, I do think that we sometimes take an authority that isn't ours. Yeah, you know, God declares, and the world is made. Yeah, God declares, and a man is saved. You know, right. God declares, and it is done. Now, there is an element where we should be praying in faith, and James yes. touches on that, I believe it's chapter 3, where we we must pray like Elijah prayed yes. for rain to come. And one who prays without faith is one that, that actually is just, in a sense, like t- carried around by the waves, but we need to be somebody that prays, trusting that God hears what we pray, and that God will give the answer that God deems best yes and god always answers he either answers with a yes or a no or a maybe he answers there are times that the scriptures teach and, and first peter is a good example of this where it would seem as though your prayers are not heard by god and then he talks to the husband and he says if you're not living in an understanding way with your wife then your prayers will not they will be hindered yes and so there's a sense where your prayers could hit the ceiling and come down again when there isn't a right heart attitude towards others around you yeah kind of that especially same especially your wife especially your wife that's your nearest neighbor yeah. you know so if you're not loving your neighbor how are you going to expect the lord to then honor your prayers if you're yeah. not forgiving your neighbor how can you expect god to then forgive you remember that parable of going going out after your debts have been forgiven and going to your fellow servant wrapping your hands around his throat and saying pay me back my debt that you yeah, owe me. Yeah, yeah so i do think that it is a stretch far and I, I can't think of any place within the scriptures where we are told to 
declare our prayers or to declare to God that that he must do this for us. Prayer is a dependency on the Lord. It's not a demanding from the Lord. You know, um, we do declare the greatness of his name. We do declare the truths of his word. We do declare that Christ is Lord. You know, these are declarations that we make that are based upon the truths of Scripture. But I think we've got to be careful when it comes to declaring a prayer that we have and kind of um, making as though we have the authority to, to do that. The Lord Jesus has got all of the authority. You know, you've got Matthew 28, verse um, 18, the, the Great Commission. And yeah. he tells us what we are to do. We are to go into all the world, making disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, and lo, I am with you always, yeah. even to the end of the age. But just before that, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And so Jesus is the one that makes declarations. You know, um, yeah. we can even make our plans. And that's some, another point that James makes. He says that yeah. we should not be so prideful into saying today or tomorrow I'm going to go, yeah, or do this and yeah. go and sell and buy. He says, Lord willing, mm-hmm. we're going to do this because All we right. don't even have our lives in our hands. You know, so I think that would be a step too far in our pride yeah. to think, well, I can just declare this thing. And then this thing must be, you know, mm. as though I'm the son of God, right. uh, Jesus. No, we're sons of God because of Jesus. But it's our Lord Jesus who's the one who who owns us and owns our life. And so we make our plans. God's the one who ordains. He's the one that declares. I've heard this uh, story, uh, Rocky, and it's told rather tongue-in-cheek of this elderly lady who bought this house on the wrong side of the hill. And so uh, she was missing out on the afternoon sun. And she came upon the scripture that says, if you say to this mountain, pick yourself up and throw yourself in the sea, it will happen. And then she went out and she declared in Jesus' name this mountain to move, remove itself uh, and throw itself in the sea so that uh, she could enjoy the afternoon sun. And she sat there after a while after declaring to this mountain and she sat there after a while and she opened the curtain and the mountain was still there. And she said, I knew it. I just knew it. I just knew it. And that's, it's back to the motive of the heart, wasn't it? It, Mm. It's just back to that motive of the heart. Yes. And, 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 you know, you think of something like John chapter 15, where Jesus talks about the fruit or the vine and the branches and you're to abide in me and I will abide in you. And Jesus often repeats, he says, then ask anything in, in my name and it will be given to you. Yeah. But you've got to think even again about that motive of the heart. If you're truly abiding in Christ and he is truly abiding in you, yeah. will you not be asking the very things that God would have you ask? Yeah. Very of course so. you will. Very yeah. much so. Right, a time check for you. 25 minutes to 12 o'clock. Scriptural. Skriftierlik die naam van die program. Samen met my nie atelier, Pastor Rocky Stevenson. En ons antwoord jou vraag. Folks, if we don't get to your question, do not despair. Send them through and we'll work through them. Ons gaan gauw vinnig die kase sê. Ons moet een muziekbreek neem. Ons wil like to adhere to the, uh, the authorities over us. And, uh, well, the rule says play some music. So we've got uh, Jan Curtin vast the fundamenta op die draaitafel. Anonymous asked the question, what does the Bible say is the correct day of worship? Is it Friday, Saturday, Sunday? When we get back, don't miss out on it. And uh, if you've got a question that you would like to ask, 082-657-2729. Love to hear your questions. En ons kyk of daar genoeg tyd is om hierdie vraag te antwoord. Stuur het dier 082-657-2729. Maar eers, 
Faster for Namenta. Uh, join this life on 657 AM. We just know ordinary radio station. We all about the good news. The word of God, unashamedly so, proclaiming to the ends of the earth that Jesus is God. Uh, somebody asked a question with regards to the many names of God. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Christine, bye. Thank you for here. And you what's the difference between angels and heavenly creatures? Psalms 148 verse 1. And two, are they not the same uh, angels and heavenly creatures? What does the Word of God answer us with regards to that, uh, Rocky? There there are many creatures within heaven, and not all of them would be defined as angels. Why I say that is that the original meaning of angels is messengers. And so some of these creatures that are around the throne of God, for example, are not as per se messengers. Their job is different. The seraphim, job, for instance. For example, the yeah. seraphim, you know, yeah. you've got Isaiah chapter 6. And they are, they've got six wings, two covering their face, two covering their legs. And the other two, they fly and they look to each other and they declare, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And they are just worshiping the Lord yeah. day and night. And they are creatures. And there's other heavenly creatures. For example, Revelation 5.13, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them, saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And so there's many different creatures that make up heaven and earth. And all of them will be worshiping the Lord. And so in Psalm 148, it's a wonderful praise psalm, and the, the the question comes from this section where it says, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights, praise him all his angels, praise him all his hosts. And so there it's speaking about all of these messengers that he has. But yeah. then it says all his hosts. So there's some that don't have the job of actually being his messengers. Others are actually just there. We know also that angels and part of the purpose of angels is even preparing those that are to be saved. And so there's a preemptive work that God does even in the heart of the Christian before they were even saved. And that's often carried out by angels. And so then we also have specific angels, somebody like Gabriel, or we know Michael's name as an archangel. Um, we have Gabriel who takes the message of the good news to Mary and to Joseph. And, you know, and so you have different purposes, but the word angel actually specifically deals with a messenger. It's one who takes the message of God to to others. And then the psalm carries on and says, Praise him, sun and moon, praise him, all you shining stars, praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. And so what a wonderful um, psalm of praise to the Lord and his messengers do this praising of the Lord as they fulfill what God had intended for them to do, like the rest of all of this creation. And so you have all of these elements that are almost animated, even as you think about sun and moon. But how do they praise God? They simply praise God by doing what he created them to do. So do his angels as they obey him. And what would be the implication as we look at a list like this? Well, surely we as man should do what God has called us to do. And when we do what God had called us to do, then we praise him. I think of a tree that we recently cut down, a massive tree in our backyard, and we cut it down about halfway. And this tree just started shooting out new leaves. It was just praising God 
doing yeah. what God created it to do, yeah. even though doing our what trees do <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. You know, you think about the animal world, the yeah. animal kingdom. By instinct, they continue to make babies and to continue to honor God with their songs in the morning as the birds wake up, and all of creation does what God created it to do. Man is the only one that has, by sin, not done what God had wanted him to do. Well, you got, um, obviously, Satan began with that, yeah, and a third yeah. of the angels fell with him, and then he tempted man and to do that. But when we're not obeying God, we're not praising God. And how do we then, as man, come back to praising him? It's turning to the Lord Jesus Christ and having him save us, and so that we might then again praise him. So, um, difference between the heavenly creatures and the angels, there are many creatures that we will probably see one day when we are in heaven yes. that um, are not by definition messengers as as we see with angels. Alright, so the answer in a nutshell, no they're not the same. There's various various different uh, creatures. Christine, bless your heart. Thank you so much. Johan that says, I'm Johan. Thank you for your radio station. I absolutely love it. Bless your heart, my brother. Thank you so much for listening and uh, uh, staying tuned Do tell your friends about it And do tell them especially about this program On a Tuesday between 11 and 12 Scriptural, skriftierlik Waar ons vraag uit die skrif antwoord En sy vraag waar my so, so baie mense sikkel En uh, jy is welkom om jou vraag dan ook in te stuur Rocky, we received a question from Anonymous Asking what does the Bible say? And uh, my goodness, talking about uh, division, this can bring division, and uh, a lot of people struggle with this. On what is the correct day of worship? Is it Friday? Is it Saturday? Is it Sunday? What do we answer uh, anonymously? Yeah, for for the Christian, it's every single day, every single day, Monday through to Sunday, we are to be worshiping the Lord. But from the beginning of the early church. The day that was set aside for assembled church worship, and when I'm saying assembled church worship, I'm saying the the congregating within a local assembly. Yes. Um, the day that was set aside from the very beginning of the church has been become known as the Lord's Day, yeah. which is the first day of the week, which is the, what we call also Sunday. Now, can I ask you a question? Because there's a lot of people that's saying now, but Rocky, how do we explain that God made the earth, He rested, and in 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 the uh, Exodus. 20, uh, the Ten Commandments, God says that on the Sabbath day you shall rest. How do we explain that to people? What is the Sabbath day versus the first day? Well, um, for the Sabbath was specifically given to Israel, and that was a covenant that God had made with Israel, and they were to be his people and this day that they set aside would show that they are a holy people unto their God and that they are worshiping the Lord in the way that he had prescribed for them. And so the Sabbath was specifically for the people of Israel. But as you think about creation, as you mentioned, it's fascinating to think that the the day that the Lord rested was what day for man? It was man's first day. Yes. Man was created on day six of creation. And God, on day seven of creation, rests. He takes off on man's first full day of man being created. He'd been created day six. Day seven happens, which is man's first day on the earth. And that's the day God takes off to be with man. So as you think about what we experience with something like the Lord's Day, it would more align with what happened right in creation even. Now, the pattern of the Sabbath was given to the people of Israel by God after the pattern of creation, God rested on the seventh day, therefore you're going to rest now on the seventh day. 
But as we come through with something like the Lord's Day, um, this this is a difference. And and I would I would hold to the position quite strongly that the Lord's Day is not the Sabbath. It's not a replacement of the Sabbath. It's not what is called Sabbatarianism. Right. Now there's a, there's a large tradition that holds to the the day of the Lord being the Christian Sabbath. I believe that that is based on faulty hermeneutics. And so apologies to any um, listener that holds to a faulty hermeneutic there. But what happens there is what we call replacement theology, where we take something that has happened with Israel that was specifically for Israel, and we just transfer it to something that's Christian. What we have as Christians is, is completely other. We have the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord Jesus. We have the Lord's Day, therefore, it's a different thing completely. It, it doesn't. It actually doesn't replace the Sabbath. It's a whole new dispensation. It's something completely new that the church has. But the church did this from the very beginning. The first day of the week, they would gather together, assemble together, and this was known as the Lord's Day. And the picture of this and the reason why this happened was twofold. One was to remember the fact that our Lord Jesus rose from the dead when? On the first day of the week we also remember that our lord jesus is coming back again and so we assemble and as we do this we recognize jesus rose from the dead and our lord jesus is coming again we serve a risen savior but there however is no legalism and here's an important point regarding the lord's day there's no legalism regarding the day of worship this has simply been the custom since the church was incepted uh, began in, in its inception at acts chapter 20 uh, rather acts chapter 2 so every day has been sanctified for worship for the Christian. And the Christian body is the temple of God. 1 Corinthians 6. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, honor him in your body. So every single day for the Christian is a day of worship for the Christian. Every hour is a day, is an hour of worship. Right. Every moment is an hour of worship. However, that doesn't mean that we don't assemble as the body of Christ as living stones to worship him as an assembled group of people, which we call church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. And the Christian has been commanded towards such assembly. And there's a very special sense of the presence of God when there's this assembly of the saints together in this way. And when we do this in the Lord's day. And so we're part of the universal church of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is made up of all believers since the beginning of the church. Others call this the secret church, but the church that Jesus knows that his, is his church is the secret church, this universal church. But if you're part of this universal church of the Lord Jesus, then part of the fruit of that is that you will assemble with other believers in a local assembly, which we call the local church. And we do this because we are following what our Lord God told us to. For example, in Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 19, if I just read that section, it's a wonderful passage of reminder for us to actually not neglect this assembling together. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds and here's the the key passage verse 25 of of hebrews 10 no not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some 
but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, what we don't see there is a specific regarding exactly what day. We do know that the early church met on the Lord's Day, but the early church also met on all other days. For example, Acts 5, verse 42, And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. You see what the church does when it assembles. It declares that Jesus is the Christ. And this is what the church does in a local place. For example, I recently, well, not recently, a number of years ago, it's almost six years ago, visited Dubai. And in Dubai, the Sunday was the first day of the working week, and the Friday was the off day, the only off day that they had. So when did the church have its assembling? It had it on the Friday. There's no legalistic rule that says thou shalt meet on this specific day. And again, I would just reiterate that the Sunday or the Lord's Day is not a replacement of the Sabbath. For the Christian, every single day is a day that we worship our Lord. Fantastic. Bless your heart. And Anonymous, thank you for an excellent uh, question. And I know a lot of people struggling with this. And, uh, well, ultimately, if uh, you've got another angle to this, welcome to email us. Uh, Rocky Time has caught up with us. If people want to be in touch with you, uh, you've got an email address where they can send questions and answers. And I know you're working hard, burning the midnight candle. Where can they get all of you? At Pastor. Well, rather not at Pastor. You don't start with the at. You just do Pastor at Benoni Bible Church dot co dot za. Pastor at Benoni Bible Church dot co dot za. Easy. If you want to send in your question or want Rocky to be in touch with you, most welcome. Pastor at Benoni Bible Church dot co dot za. And uh, thank you so much for all the questions, Rocky. Just in closing, somebody's asked a question here. Uh, let's see if we can do this in in under a minute because the time is really short. She said a, a a friend of mine recently had a son that passed on. Uh, she went to anoint his body afterwards, had Holy Communion next to the body, and uh, brought her a lot of comfort. She pled the blood of Jesus over him. Um, is this scriptural? Is there anything we can do for those who have passed on? Or do we make decisions in this life, on this side of life? Is there a short answer to this question? It's It's a difficult one to answer because I can understand some of the emotions of this friend. But there's nothing biblical about anointing a body after the body has died. Now, as a believer, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. All right. And we do know that a person will, there's appointed once for them to, to die and then judgment. And so that person is no longer part of that outside tent. So what she had done there, though it may have brought her some comfort, yes. there's nothing biblical about that kind of a practice. And even something like having the Lord's Supper next to the body would actually go against what 1 Corinthians 11 teaches us, which is actually it's a local congregation as you assemble together as the church. Right. That's the right context for yeah. having the Lord's Supper. And so that's that's as best as I can give in a short time frame. But I, I think you'd need to be really sensitive with that individual. Um, comfort, you know, mourn with those that mourn, yeah. rejoice with those that rejoice. And it probably wouldn't be the best thing going to your friend saying, um, you know, Pastor Rocky and Vainan said what you did was unbiblical. Yeah. You know, she's hurting. She's going through a difficult time. Yes. You want to be understanding understand and caring towards her. But there's nothing biblical regarding what, what had been done there. All right. um, and, yeah, you can't 
once a person has died, it is it's done. Now yeah. now it's for the living to yeah. actually think about how am I living before God, yeah. and and I'm, am I right before Him? What we also can't claim is to know that this person's in a better place, which is often a phrase used at a funeral. Yeah. We also can't claim that this person definitely is in hell. This is something that God knows about the soul of an individual. Yeah. Yeah. Right, uh, in a nutshell, thank you so much, uh, Rocky, for that one. And uh, just once again uh, to that listener that posed that question, as Rocky said, please don't go and confront your friend now with us, mourn with her and uh, walk the road with her. In Danor Palatra Stadium, so die heren de toelaat en onthou nie, raad soos gouwe appels op silverskinkborde as iemand vraag daarvoor. Just, just thinking, sorry, Evan, yeah. um, um, you know, the Lord's body was also anointed after he had died. Very much um, so. Lazarus was anointed yeah. in that sense. But that was a respect that was for the personhood of that individual and it was a shown it was shown via what they did for them, but it was not done actually to that person as yeah. such. It was it was honoring the memory of such an individual, caring for such an individual, and um, and so the body's also buried above ground, isn't it? And it's uh, the, the other purpose for that as well, because the yes. body is not like in our days yes. buried six you know, the, foot beneath the ground. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a whole so, different. So there's border. a whole. I mean, we could probably spend a whole show talking about some of those different customary things. Yeah. and I do think that we should give give time towards showing respect towards and, and giving thanks to God really for the life of right. the person that has died. But um, there's no way that we can now change their eternal mm. state based on what we say at a funeral, etc. Time to love and leave you. God willing, now it's uh, your turn to go back to the God's Word and to check if these things are so that you've heard on this radio station, Acts 1711. Rocky, if you want to be in touch with him, it's a pastor at the Benoni Bible Church.co.za. Next week, God willing, if the Lord tarries, we'll be back once again and bless your heart. Thank you so much for all the beautiful interesting questions this morning uh, we so enjoyed uh, to present this program ultimately god gets the glory until next time keep well god bless you and shalom